Hey, welcome to another episode of Just Being Amos Podcast with my co-host, Trevor. In this episode, we're going to talk about DC Comics leaving Diamond Distribution. They was with them for 25 years, so they left them. And also, we're going to talk about things that we've been up to. Hope you guys enjoy this podcast. Welcome to another episode of Just Being Amos Podcast with my co-host, Trevor. Hey, how you doing? I'm doing good, Trevor. How you been, man? Yeah, I've been pretty good. Good, good. That's a good thing to hear, man. So, in this episode, I, I know I, I talked to you and I said, oh, man, you heard the news, you know, this past week was happening in the comic book industry. So, in this episode, our topic's going to be DC leaving Diamond. For those who don't know... Diamond is a distribution company that always, I mean, they distribute DC, Marvel, all most of the most of the comic books in the, in the industry anyway. Right. Essentially, it creates a direct market. So all of the independent publishers send all of their stock to Diamond. Right. And then the retailers purchase the number that they think they're going to need. They get it from Diamond. So Diamond ships them all of their their books. Right. But it's based on a policy where they buy what they get and they can't return it. Right. So unless it's damaged. Unless it's damaged, right. right. So it's yeah, that's that's what creates back issues and stuff. But it also gives them you know discounts, it you know a little bit better protection, right. less shipping and handling, that sort of thing. That's right. And so that's right because you know mostly like the comic book shops get it from Diamond. I don't know they deal with the retail. I mean not retail, but. Like Kroger's or Publix or anything like that, they use the comic books there or like Barnes and Noble. I wonder if Diamonds deal with them. Um, they might. I'm yeah. I, I'm not sure. Uh, yeah. But yeah, basically Diamond came around as a way of um, for for comic book uh, retailers, like actual comic book shops, right. to have better quality books, you know, things like that, and be able to get things at a good price instead of things being. You know, when you go and you buy them on those spinning racks yeah, at the grocery store yeah. or at, you know, the 7-Eleven or whatever, where they don't necessarily fit. They're not being handled Taking very well. Of, yeah. There won't be very many mature titles, things like that, you know, limited stock. So it was a way to kind of get around that. Right. And, you know, so during this COVID-19 pandemic, you know, the industry kind of shut down like past like two about a month and a half i believe maybe two months i think i believe it was in april it was in the april, beginning of april beginning of april so it was a month and some weeks and then um dc was the first from this pandemic to start getting any books come out because it was the only company that did it because other company was still waiting and see what was going to happen right well let's clarify that a little bit yeah. basically diamond distributors because of the covid thing they decided uh, to shut down the warehouses, the warehouses sending out the books, um, and then of course they weren't actually like paying. No, it was not. I paying, think the I think. the publishers as well. So it was. Um, so in response, most of the publishers decided not to print any books None. for you know the short term until things picked back up again. Right. Um, and. Apparently, DC seemed to have a problem with that. <laughs> yeah, they did. Because they, I think, 
It may have been in April or it may have been in May. I think it was in May. It wasn't in April. It was in May. Right. They decided to start publishing or you know printing and sending out through separate retailers, retailers separate right. distributors. Right. So when that happened, so and, and pushing digital, that's an important key is that they oh, also tried to keep pushing, you know, the digital. digital a little bit more than the actual physical copies. I'm going to go right there and say this right now. I like my physical copies, man. Although I do have digital um, books on my iPad, but you know, a majority of my books are physical. I mean, I got yeah. $8,000, $8,000, worth the book so yeah i i only have them reluctantly like i bought recently the um hawkeye free fall number five you had to because because it's only going to be a digital book they're not they're not actually going to print it so i in order to finish the series i need to get that and then down the line they're thinking there may be a the um, the graphic the collected graphic novel version right in which case i'll pick that up so i have them all in just that's a kind physical of, copy that's kind of so for a collector like me that you all of a sudden put in digital i got a the C, CLZ um, database app. What the hell, man? I can't barcode it. <laughs> that's a thing, man. Uh, that's, I'm like, that's true. I'm like, oh, God, that's not in my collection. Not the physical copy. It's not there. It's on a freaking digital copy. So, I mean, I, I get it, man. You know, it's going to probably come a time where you're going to have them just do digital all together. But right now, though, I think we're not ready for that. No. We're not no, ready for that. But, well, I think, I think the thing you have to keep in mind. As a collector. Right. But and that's exactly it. I think the thing you have to keep in mind is that most people who collect comics, who are into the you know, in this kind of industry of you know nerdery and things like that, a lot of those people they like physical copies. They're collectors. That's what they do. Right. So they want the actual physical copies, even though it takes up a shit ton of space. Believe me, I right. know exactly. <laughs> so they've always been very reluctant with digital because it's just that's not the way they're ingrained that's not their thing they like having it in their hands and that's the truth and that's man. the way i am i mean we both the same i'm that's why i'm even for like my blu-rays or dvds i like, I like to have the physical copy but they give you digital right. which is great i mean come on maybe you lose your physical copy right you may lose it but then you got the digital right but i get it but it's it just to me man as a collector man i'm not ready for this digital thing like i said i have a few in my ipad but i got those because I was trying to catch up, read on something because I couldn't find it as a graphic novel or a trade, anything like that. So they had it for like a good price. Right. And so I said, man, well, I get this, um, what, 80, 200 page book for five bucks. Right. Which is the cheap. Right. Exactly. <laughs> I bought the Honor and Curse. Um, when I was buying the Hawkeye Freefall, I bought the actual like trade paperback version, right. um, like digital from Comixology. Right. Because. I still don't have issue number one. I have all the rest, so I can't actually buy it. And it was like five bucks, less than five bucks. So and I was like, well, this way I can read the thing and keep my issues two through six. You know, I remember you were looking for number one. Yeah. <laughs> it's like I could go and buy issue number one for like 10 to 20 bucks. And that's the thing. Just so for a reprint version, sure. But I may as well just grab the thing and for five bucks and be able to read it that's the thing though man it's like some of those things are out of print right most i get it if you can find it on digital right because it's kind of hard to find those things on ebay it might be just a certain amount of money you might not afford it but there's things out there like those books are out of print and i get it you could look, download it digitally you could do that right and and that's the thing is if you want to keep it because you're a collector and maybe you're going to turn around and sell it on ebay or you want to keep it because it has some sort of value, whether you sell it or not. To you, it has a value. Right, right, um, right. You know, or even 
because it's a limited run, it has, you know, a, a large monetary value that if you decided to sell it, you probably could make a decent buck. But that doesn't mean you're going to. It's just the satisfaction of knowing I managed to get one right. and I have something that's worth a hundred bucks or, you know, whatever it is. And that's the thing. Right. And so it's kind of that feeling that goes with it. In this case, for me, it would have been nice to own it, but I just want to be able to read it. You know, and sometimes that's the thing. If you just want to read the story, then yeah, sure, it's fine. Because I was just telling you this over this whole pandemic thing, you know, and I went on the comic, comic I can't get the word out of my mouth. Um, I was I watching Black Lagoon on the anime, one of my favorite anime, right? And Black Lagoon has been has not put out a damn series. I mean, another season, what, probably ten years, maybe. Not this since is, they put out the Roberta's Blood Trail. Show, right, yeah. that was like 2012. Yeah, that was like 10 years 10 ago. 10 years ago. It's, yeah. yeah, it's 10 years, right? Mm-hmm. So I said, man, I wonder what's going on with these characters. So what I did was I had to go online. And I finally found a manga, because I don't read those things right. like that. I'm all 100% coming books, right? And I finally found it. And like, you know what? It was cheap. I mean, I get it. I get it. It's convenient. Mm-hmm. It's right there. You could buy it, swipe it, one day you pay for it. Right. It's there. But like you said, as a collector, I want my physical book. I want it. I want my omnibus. I want my trade paperback. I want my graph. I want all that. I want that. I don't want to download that digitally. I'm like, damn, I'm out of damn gigabytes. <laughs> that's right. another thing, man. Right. That, that's the thing that kind of worries me sometimes. And I know people are going to make, oh, what a crotchety old man. But the thing, and I'm getting more into like digital like with music at this point i've stopped buying physical cds of course Uh, are they still around (laughs) yeah but you know but uh, yeah there's not very many stores that i'm aware of unless you go to like some of the old you know um best bottle collector you know collectible stores and stuff like that yep um but so i've been i've been purchasing music digitally yeah uh, which is convenient uh but then at the same time with when it comes to um, anything that you buy online and it's in like a cloud storage, oh. so like take for example like the Funimation thing, you can buy the physical copy of the Funimation Blu-rays, and then usually they'll have a digital code that you can use. Right. But it's not a digital code where you can put it in and then you can download it, and now you have the file on your computer in your hard drive. It's you can download it and now it's in your library in their streaming service, which means as soon as their streaming service goes down or they clear something off, it's gone. Right. And that's what a lot of things these days are. It's this cloud storage where you don't physically own it. And if something goes wrong, it's gone. Yeah. And I don't like that. Uh, You know, I've never liked that. I want to know that it's that I have it. It's somewhere where I'm. I can access it. And if my hard drive gets wiped, that's fine. It's nice that there's a cloud storage. I can re-download it because I paid for it. Right. But, you know, it's I don't like it being on someone else's server and at their whim. Right, right. It's like the, well, it's like your video, like the video game. Remember Final Fantasy VII, dude? Like, 100 gigabytes. Mm-hmm. I'm like, dude, that is a lot. Yeah. That took up most of your damn computer. I mean, your um, PS4. Yeah. That's crazy, man. So I had to go get an external hard drive. I like, damn, I can't, I can't deal. With download, delete, download, delete, download. That's a hassle, man. Fuck that. <laughs> it can be, but yeah, I have to go back and delete like games that I'm like, eh. I know this is on my list to play, but am I really gonna play it? And anytime there, we, there soon? we go. It's I'll just in, download it again later on. So it's, down on, the line. it's on PlayStation Network. It's in the cloud. Right. See what I'm saying? So it's right there. So what would happen? It might get hacked like they did was 10, 12 years ago. The, the Sony PlayStation Network got hacked. 
Yeah. So, I mean, who knows, man? Shit happens. So, but yeah, back to D.C. So, <laughs> this week, man, they decide, <laughs> I think they blindsided um, Diamond. They blindsided. They blindsided everybody. everybody yeah. Yes, definitely Diamond got blindsided. So, they got an email from D.C. and Diamond and say, you know, we no longer want to, like, you guys to be our distributors anymore. Through an email. Of course. Well, no, yeah, I mean, yeah, they, yeah, yeah. you have to anyway. It's a business, but... Well, I mean, technically, if you're going to sever a contract, it, you need to put it in writing. Right. There has to be at least – you can send an email and saying we're going to, but then it needs to be a signed document, right. which I'm sure they followed up with. Oh, but, documentation, you got to right. have it. So you can't just send an email and be like, we're done. <laughs> it's nice, like, nice working yeah, with you. You have to have, like, you know, the CEO of the company or whatever <laughs> sign off on it and send a letter. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, like I said, it blindsided everybody, man. You know, But – I think I had this conversation with David, or it might have been you too, that, you know, Diamond sometimes has the, I'm, I think for me personally, or just what I witnessed, is sometimes they have these um, these shops like in handcuffs as far as like they have to order a certain amount of books and this and that. And it's not on Diamond, it's mostly the, the publisher, the Marvel and DC, like the variants, right? Right. You got to buy a certain amount of books to go get this variant. To get the variant, yeah, where you have to, like, order 200 of one book just to get, like, the, you know, the super special variant. Yeah. Which is, of course, why they then turn around and sell that variant for 100 bucks because it's the only way they're going to make back the money for those 150 copies they're never going to sell. Never, man. <laughs> and they can't return, as we said before. before. Yeah, right. so that's another thing. Like, damn, that's that's crazy, so... You no, know, DC kind of blindsided, blindsided everybody, man. Like, okay, we are going to work with this distribution company right here. So they went to, I think, was it Lunar Distribution? They went to Lunar and somebody U else. UC UCS, that's who it was. Right, Lunar and UCS, which are basically Midtown Comics and DCBS or something like I think that. So. But that's crazy, though, Midtown Comics, dude. Right, so basically they're, those are online retailers that right. sell comic books. I know. Right. So now basically retail outlets you know the comic book shops are now basically ordering books from their competition <laughs> from midtown, midtown comics, comics which are which do the same thing they're right. online retailers right yeah that's not going to be sitting well most most companies no, a lot of man. them are pissed and then on top of that um well and then the other one that dc did was graphic novels are going to come from penguin which is the top publisher right which, yeah. yeah a big publisher so yeah. Basically, what this does is um, it causes uh, – not only does it introduce a whole new system and a whole new extra set of you know, ordering forms and yeah, things that lot. comic book shops now have to do instead of just going straight through Diamond, is that it also is going to add more shipping and handling costs. Right. It's probably going to cause um, Diamond's prices to now go up. You know, so they don't get quite as much of a discount as they used to because now DC, who's the second largest um, comic book uh, publisher, has now decided not to use them anymore. You know, whenever you lose like a huge customer, that's a, that's a huge big, blow to your big, revenue. That's so, a big loss to the of revenue. course, that that revenue now has to come from somewhere else. So, of course, you're going to shift prices. You're going to change discounts that you were given, things like that. But so, in your opinion, though, this question right here, do you think Diamond needed a competition? As far as distribution-wise? It's hard to say. I mean, I'm always in favor of competition. But that's capitalism, though. Right. And But re reading some of the reactions to this from actual comic book shops is, you know, Diamond has their problems. They've had issues okay. with Diamond. But for the most part... 
the fact that it does all come from one place, that they can save money on shipping and handling, right. that they have one person that they deal with sort of thing, it has made life a little bit simpler for them. They just send in one form with all of their things. They get their books. Right. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm always in favor of competition, but given that comic book shops work on such a razor-thin margin really for making a profit, they really the do. fact that if you add more distributors into this, it's going to pretty much knock out those profits. They're probably going to start operating at a loss, and a lot of them are probably going to start closing down, Yeah, especially given that you have the coronavirus going on, which already was about to knock a lot of them out. Some yeah, of them really. are already out. Right. You know, they've gone out of business so this, because this, of this. This, this is going to restructure every damn thing, man. Right. So it's, this, like, it's, just, it's just not the big the big three at Marvel, DC, and Image. Right. It's the Indian, It's the other ones, man, from Aftershock Comics, Scout Comics. You got the other comic book companies, you know, the smallest one. You got um, um, Boom and all these guys, man. And it's just, it's just, it's it's crazy. You know, they got to take that in consideration, man. They got to restructure everything for these companies, man. And, you know, and like for me, for instance, I'm trying to get my book out too. But I'm an indie, I'm an indie creator. Right. I had to do that on my own. What if I want to decide to introduce my book into the Diamond Previews and stuff like that? Or mm. I want to go to Luna Distribution. I want to put my book right there. I want to pay this certain amount of money for y'all to put my book in your catalog. So, I mean, it's, it's what it is is choices now. Well, yes, yeah, and yeah. I mean, and choices in general Generally. are always good, yeah. Because then you can get the better deal, um, and that's the thing. Right. And, and but is- but in this case, because of the timing, because of Marvel tried this back in like the nineties, oh, they found bait for that man. Yeah, they, and they it, didn't do good, and at it all. did not go well. Uh-uh. Um, so basically, this is a dick punch for all the comic book shops right now at a, the worst possible time. Yeah, when they're already struggling with the coronavirus and, and the other shit know, going on right here. So no new books are coming in, so they're not really making money. They're trying to sell what they already have on stock Back just to keep yeah. and stuff. And you know, having to try to do all these loans, which a lot of them aren't paying out very well because the whole thing that Congress did was not set up very well the, on SBA, right? Right. So they, you know, so it's it, it's just yeah, it's coming at the worst possible time, and a lot of people are fucking pissed at yes. DC, and rightfully so. Right. Right. I mean, I'm not happy either, man. As a collector, I mean, man, I mean, I, I feel it. I mean, it's what it is. And DC did a, a sucker punch, right? Yeah, <laughs> it was a sucker punch. You didn't see it coming. You said dick punch, but I say sucker punch. Yeah. <laughs> so basically, what's going to happen is, um, I know a lot of a lot of uh, comic book retailers probably because they don't want to piss off their customers. They're probably going to continue to stock what they know their customers buy. Right. So anybody who has a pre-order or a standing order, you know, a pull box, something like that. Yeah. They'll continue to order those specific ones, but that's pretty much all they're going to order. Yeah. And then they're probably now that DC's pissed them off, anything DC is trying to sell in the future, like new books, new titles, they're going to be like, fuck that. I'm not going to bother ordering that. Right. You know, because I don't know if it's going to sell. And DC fucked us over, so we're mm-hmm. not going to do them any favors. Mm-mm. So I don't think this is going to be very good for DC either. No, man. But you know what, though? You no, know, DC is owned by Time Warner. Yes. And AT&T bought Time Warner. Right. And what I'm thinking is, I'm not, I think I heard it from someone, is that they did care, they care less about the comic book um, industry. And what they want to do is probably put everything digital. Fuck the hard copies. Oh, yeah, probably. Put, do that. And, you know, and Time Warner bought this, man. They're trying to figure out how to access, you know, 
put things together for that part of their uh, acquisition from AT&T. You know what I'm saying? AT&T got all that. Time Warner, DC, Warner Brothers, TCM. They got all that stuff, man. Right. You know, so, I mean, this is a small part of their, um, in the company. And they, I think they care less about the coming books that's coming out. They probably, yeah, don't care too much about it. But, if, yeah. you know, they, they can get, like, the movies out of it and yeah. things like that. That's probably where they care about it. So they're probably not focused on physical copies. That's they're probably going to start pushing online. But also right now, because of that merger going through, mergers cost money. Yeah. So they're looking for a cash flow. So that's probably why they're pushing this real hard right now. And because I thought they about need, that. Yeah, they need money flowing in I as thought, soon as possible. I thought about that, man. Right. And so, yeah, but it's, it's, it's like you said, it's a donkey punch. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, yeah. <laughs> It's a little bit different than the dick punch I yeah, said, but you know yeah, that, that donkey punch. Hurt. It, but it's a donkey punch. Yeah. yeah, and I did punch hers too. But man, but that donkey punch will kill you. <laughs> <laughs> so, but yeah, man. But I think it's not a it's not a good move, man, at, at all to do that. I mean, like you said, I came out of the blue. I mean, everybody was not ready for it. So we'll see in the coming months how this pan out. Yeah, you know, I do get DC books. I get um, I get Batman. That's the only one I get. And um, now they're going to have to, like, really, like, figure something out. Yep. Yeah, I don't really collect DC, so this isn't going to impact me. So, yeah, because quite they, frankly, I don't give a shit if DC goes out of business. Because <laughs> <laughs> they movie sucks. It's, oh, not more sucks. It's well, not going to impact me any. Yeah, so I, I think what it is, they can still get the June 8th orders. All right, they get the orders already. Right. And the June 15th orders. Those are the final orders again from DC, from Diamond. Right. So that's it, man. That's it. But guys, if you are a DC fan, like Trevor's not a DC fan, no. But I feel sorry for you guys who are collect Batman, Action Comics, or any other DC titles, man. This is gonna be a game changer. So we'll see. Right. So. So moving right along, I know we said we're gonna talk about other stuff, what's going on in the, in the world, and what we've been doing. Me, on the other hand, you know, I, I've been playing games, and I finally read a book. Uh, I got my books last week. You know, there's a new comic book week, right? Right. So I picked up a book called Backtrack. So Backtrack is all about these um, people in a race. It's something like Cannonball, but it deals with time travels, dinosaurs, all kinds of crazy shit. So I read it, and I said, you know what? I'm. It's third. I think it's the third, third issue, I believe. And so far, man, I really enjoyed it, man. But I, I like the story, but th- th- I'm trying to get past the art. Mm-hmm. The art is... Yeah, I was taking a look you, at did it. Did you look at it? Yeah, yeah, it's not terrible, but it's not great either. It's, no, it's not great. I mean, you know, they got a job. I mean, that's them. But for me, the art wasn't there, but the story I liked. But I just didn't care for the art, man. But you like, I recommend if you like time travel or you just like cars... <laughs> you remember that um, cartoon back in the uh, 80s, man, in CBS called Cadillac and Dinosaurs? Oh, yeah. <laughs> that put me in the mind of that right there, man. So um, if you like those kind of things, I recommend you reading Backtrack. Um, it's from Oni Press. So that's what I've been, I read this past week. So, I mean, what, what you been up to, Trevor? Um, I haven't really read anything in a while. I've been kind of taking a little bit of a break. But I have been up to a lot of things, like watching stuff. Um so uh, my girlfriend and I, we watched all of Picard on CBS All Access. I'm behind in that. Which is really good. So you should definitely watch that if you're I'm four, a four. fan. I've seen four, um, 
episodes are, right? right? And then we watched the second season of Star Trek Discovery, which is also really good. Yeah, I saw two episodes of that. I'm uh, so far behind. I'm so far behind, <laughs> right. dude. So that's, that's what we've been focusing on there. Um, I've been... Uh, Obviously, playing Final Fantasy VII remake. Of course, you got a hundred percent. I'm yeah. jealous. I'm not gonna front. I'm jealous. Got yeah, 100%. I was doing hard mode, so I just <laughs> I just finished the game completely today. So you know, I was talking all the to, trophies, all the manuscripts, everything. Dude, I was talking to David about you, dude. I said, man, you know, David, Trevor's gonna get a hundred percent. Man, he's a gamer. Man, he's gonna get a hundred percent trophy. If it, if he cannot get a hundred percent, he's gonna be close to it. If it's something he cannot do, just in case, like Tomb Raider had the uh, multiplayer thing that you didn't want to do. Right? Yeah. If it's like multiplayer, <laughs> if it's one of those things that's like so much of a drag, like Final Fantasy X is a good example. Yeah. Um, there was all the the new summons that they added, like the hard version summons. Mm-hmm. Those were just like killer. Um, but in order to actually survive that, what you really need to do is one of the I think it's one of the um, trophies that you could get was you had to fill up the entire sphere grid. Right. Which with each character, I think you get it for one character, but then you also get a trophy for all of the characters. Right. And that means there's a bunch of little sphere grids that were just empty. I remember this. Which means you need to put, you need to earn some from that, um, that creation place where they create monsters. Right. Which are also very hard. And then earn those, and then start plugging them into all the little holes, and then you know get enough uh, experience to be able to unlock those. And that was just like that was gonna take me days and days. And I was like, "Fuck that! I am not doing that. <laughs> I yeah. got better things to do with my time." Dude, I can't. I'm, but I'm not... if it seems doable, I will try to do it. Yeah, I mean, I'm gonna, I'm going to get the hundred percent trophy on that thing. The only one that gives me problems is just some of the minor things, that freaking pull-ups, man. I still can't get the pull-ups. <laughs> I do hate that the, one. The pull-ups, man. Because I, I could get through the hard stuff. And I know I could get that done. It's just the pull-up thing, man. One of the simplest thing in the damn game. It's all about um, sequence, man, the way you do right. it. It's, it's, just, it's I mean, crazy. I wouldn't call it simple, yeah, but it's basically a matter of timing. So when you do the squats, it's you go around in the in the square. Yeah. So it's like that's easy to yeah, do. Yeah, it's triangle, square, X, circle, or the circle is yeah, something like that. Um, but then the um, the pull ups, the pull ups is like you go triangle, X, uh, X, circle, square. Triangle, and then it change again. And then the, on round two, yeah. it switches to a different way, and then it gets faster and faster. And if you want to beat the final pro one, it's that guy does not make a mistake. Jules. Which means you need to go at an accelerated clip and not make a single mistake. I'm, I'm, it took me a lot of tries to get that. I'm, I'm on that guy right now. And that's then as what... soon as I see the red in the corner of my eye from the countdown, that's when you start being like, uh, and you forget the order and you fuck up and you're like, <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, man. I'm, I'm going to get to it, dude. But, yeah, so Picard and Discovery and games. This is what you've been doing lately. Yeah, and uh, um, the other things I've been doing is I've been um, uh, I actually bought a visual novel. I had mentioned this to you the other day. Uh, the anime, the first one was okay, but the sequel was definitely much better. It made it um, a little bit better of a story. It was the Fruit of Grisaya series? You remember I've got that on Blu-ray. So yeah, it was on sale uh, a couple weeks ago. So I picked it up, um, the visual novel, right. and uh, I've been playing through it, and it's. It's pretty fun. It's kind of funny. Um, I like all the characters. They're amusing. That was one of the things I did like about the series. Even though the first season of Fruit of Grisaya on anime was they tried to compact all of the routes into a 12-episode series. 
which this is kind of an intense long game where each character <laughs> has their own like problems and like ser- yeah. serious like psychological problems and things like that so yeah trying to squeeze that into 12 episodes was it didn't prove very effective but then once they got to the second season they could just kind of go with the main character's backstory which and, they did right and then move on from there um Dude, I so got that a, one did a lot better. I got I got a gripe with you, man. With me, yeah. Well, Uno, no, no, Uno. You know, you know. Okay, dude, man, I ain't like the end of that at all. Oh, you watched the whole series? That's shit, man. I ain't like the end of that, man. That father and daughter thing that was too creepy, it man. Did get it, a li- it did get a little. It did get a little incesty. Did did right. Man. Matter of fact, he had another daughter. Remember? Oh, well, dude. Well, here's what's weird is that well, it's it's heavily implied that the the one girl with the blue hair yeah. is his actual daughter which then means in the game you have sex with her <laughs> <laughs> and you're like whoa wait a minute yeah I'm like because you said you all familiar then in the, in the earlier episodes then I see like we went to that fantasy world I'm like oh my god that's Amanda's daughter that's just I'm like man y'all get the fuck on here man I, I said this enough right you know what man I I don't like that series, man. I ain't like I ain't like the ending. You didn't like the I ending. I ain't like the ending, dude. The the fantasy stuff was good and everything up until he it was kind of incestual, man. I can't. I, I, it was a little bit, but you can also just kind of the way I looked at it is I tried to look at it as a uh, maybe that's not where they're going with this. It is a little weird, but was, I'll just I'll just pretend that as a family they're going to be together, and then it wasn't quite as bad. There is going to be an OVA because, in case you didn't notice, uh-huh. um, well, they sort of showed the teacher um, that he had had a fling with. Oh, that's right. Like she's... coming out of the thing, but she's still like brainwashed and still has issues. Right. Apparently, there's going to be an OVA coming that kind of involves that, where he in his in the cosmos or whatever it is they're doing, I don't remember, um, is going to go and try and to fix that. Fix that. That's supposed to be coming. I think it was supposed to be this summer. We'll see if it still comes out. Yeah, it's a lot of animated and pushed back because of COVID nineteen. Yeah, but um, but yeah, man, I won't be watching. The, I'll watch the OVA, man. I give it a shot, but damn, yeah, it was kind of creepy though. It was one of those. It was one of those anime that was. It sometimes went so off the rails, but kind of in an amusing way that you were like, okay, I really got to see what the it does. Decision that man made. Right. Dude, I was like, I'm not watching but this. It, it wasn't terrible off the rails. It was. You know, it was it was entertaining off the rails, yeah. but it was enough that it still kept itself on you know right. on course and relatively coherent. There's some there's some shows that just like whoa, what the fuck just happened? <laughs> you know, but it's like so bizarre that you're either like okay, I'm really frustrated with this, or it's like I am so on board for this because I want to see what happens next. <laughs> Dude, it was crazy, man. It and is. this one was kind of in the middle ground, but. Right. So I enjoyed it enough that I was like, I'm going to give the game a try. So I have the game on PlayStation 4, the okay. remake. Okay, there you go. So, I mean, that's what you've been up to for this um, past week or so. Yeah. I know you want to talk about, I think, you know, what the issues is going on in the world. Um, but I think your your girlfriend mentioned something about black creators in the industry or something like that. Well, yeah. I mean, what with, you know, what with all the, the Black Lives Matters protests and stuff going on, you yeah. know, it might it might not be a bad idea. I mean, I, I don't know too many um, myself, uh, but, you know, to kind of or at least the very least to kind of throw out the message to people that, you know, hey, you know, there's a lot of black creators out there doing a lot of great stuff. Oh, yeah. You know. 
check it out if you're interested. You know, now's a good time. Well, I, I got know. a book out there called Bitter Roots, and it's by mm-hmm. Sanford Green. He's an artist, and it's a good book. And, you know, it's set in the before the Prohibition era, I believe, or it might be that time. And, you know, it's just a group of family that's fighting demons and stuff like that. And um, Sanford Green is a, he's a great artist. But matter of fact, he did something in my sketchbook. He did Craving mm-hmm. a Hunter for me. Yeah. So he got a book out there. Um, but it's about Image Comics, and it, I think it was um, greenlit for a TV series, Bitter Roots. Check go check that out. It's by Sanford Green, and what's his name? His last name is Brown. I got the, I can't think of the the writer's name, but they they work together. I think it's the two black guys. You know, it's Sanford Green, the other guy, and um, Brian Stelfreeze, man, yeah. he's a legend. Mm-hmm. He's a legend, man. He's done, pl- done plenty of work on Black Panther. You know, Mark talks about that. He's a great artist. Right. And he just, just don't do comic book art. He does art. Mm-hmm. So Brian Stelfreeze is a great artist, man. Right. The Those guys, the Tuskegee heirs. Heirs, Marcus um, Williams Marcus and Williams. Greg Burnham, I believe. Yeah. That's that day. They, they done Yeah, and that's too. a good book. Yeah. So, yeah, definitely check that out. But, yeah, I mean, I think now's a good time if, you know, especially for people who aren't, who don't quite understand a lot of what black people have grown up with and the history of well, it. Contribute, is, uh, contribute right. to society, man. It's just, you know, we as a uh, black people, man, we contribute to our we the science, to politics, everything in the United States, period, point blank. And if you want to check out some guys in the comic book industry, check out um, Kari um, Randolph, I believe his name. Uh, he did um, Mosiac on Marvel. Oh, Dom, uh, Dominique Stanton, the guy who um, did my artwork on my sketchbook. He done stuff with Neil Gaiman. Mm-hmm. Um, his universe with DC Comics. Check him out. He got work out there. He did Deadpool, too. You know, it's, it's a lot of guys out there in the industry that does work, but does not people don't know about them. Right. No, absolutely. And that's probably where I, I fall, too, is I'm sure I've read a lot of books that, you know, have yeah, black writers and black artists and Christopher stuff like Priest. that. Right. Oh right, Christopher Priest, man, he's writing. Um, he did the run of Black Panther. How you think the um the what's the, I can't pronounce their name? The women that protect the king, the, Darima. Um, now I'm blanking on their name. But what is it? But he created that in that in the books. Mm-hmm. You know, so he had like a long run on that. The Christopher Priest, he's also doing Vampirella right now. Right. You know, he's been in the business for a long time, man. Check out the stuff he's did. So there, there are people out there. You know, um, black um, creators out there doing work. Reginald, Reginald Huntland, he did some on Black Panther, man. He was a writer there. He's also an executive producer on certain shows. So, yeah, man, there's out there, man, but people just don't know. And just, you know, some people, the people in the industry know, but for fans, they don't know. Right. You know, I know these things. You know, so I've been collecting books for a while. So, yeah, man. So, I mean, it's just about awareness of what's who. Awareness in this industry who contribute to this industry, man. Right, and I just think in general it's a good way to you know to support um, to support black artists and writers and uh, creators and just kind of a good way that if you're curious about you know things, if you want to help out, if you want to lend your support, if you want to you know understand um, what what their life has been like, their experience. You know, I think now's Now's a good time to check that sort of thing out. I mean, for me, I'm making my own book, man. I mean, I consider myself a creator, too. So, I mean, they're, they're out there, man. And, you know, when comic books were made, man, from action comics to when Stan Lee did Marvel, you know, Stan Lieberman, that was that's his name, 
you know, he was this Jewish guy, man. And, you know, he just during the war, he decided to do these comic books. You know, it was it's a thing. And Marvel is especially Marvel. They always about what's current during that time. You know, in the 40s, it was World War II. Mm-hmm. You know, in the 60s, we had the, was it the mutants. Yeah, during the 60s, mm-hmm. you had the mutants doing the civil rights and stuff like that. You know, you had all kind of things. So, I mean, Marvel always been on the forefront as far as social issues and stuff like that. Because I relate better with Marvel books than DC. Don't get me wrong. I like DC, but I'm more more into Marvel. But now when things are so much, just comic books in general, I pick up things that I interest me, you know. And, you know, and I do support Black Art. Like I said, I read Bitter, Bitter Roots. Mm-hmm. I think it's a great book. I'm so I'm behind in it, but <laughs> <laughs> I got so other many books to, books to read. But I mean, I support you know, and I hope hope someone support me too, you know, for my work, mm-hmm. you know, because it's all about good stories, man. And, and you're black, white, Hispanic, Chinese, Japanese, or whatever. It's good work, right? And that, I mean, and I think that's that's the whole point is that you know every we want equality so it's like we want everybody to have a fair chance and we want everybody to experience these different you know perspectives that people have from the way they grew up and you know and so yeah so definitely i mean my experience i grew up in mississippi man i'm born in the south you know i'm I'm from mississippi so um, i'm from a town that is all is predominantly black it's 99.9 or 100 percent black and that's unheard of in a day and time that, that you have a town is, and the mayor is black, the alderman is black. I mean, you're t- I went to a school, and I went to an HBC school also for my college education. So that's my upbringing. But, you know, that's my experience in life, you know, coming up as a kid, as a teenager, as an adult. But, I mean, that's who, who, who makes you. So when, you know, these guys, these black creators in the industry, man, you know, go support them. Like Dexter Vine, he's a, he's a hell of a damn anchor. Uh, he's a great anchor, yeah. Yeah, he's a hell of an anchor, man. Shout out to Dexter. You know, he's, he's a great anchor. And I could go on and on. <laughs> so that's the thing. But for my listeners, man, the, the people that I named, go check out their work. It's some great stuff, man. Because like I said, Christopher Priest, man, he, he basically did the whole entire the, the, Ryan Coogler's work came from Christopher Priest's run mm-hmm. for Black Panther. Right. So that was his work. So yeah, so the, the people I named, go check them out. I mean, there's some good work out there. So that's what I got to say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, man. But that's about it, dude. Um, I'm think I'm going to announce now, man. I think for now on, when I do my podcast and this is for my audience, I'm going to tell them my business. Now uh, it's this powerhouse media. So every time I'm doing something, I have to end up at the end of this podcast and say that. But not on this podcast, but the future podcast. Uh-huh. So now it's uh, my um, business. Whenever I do my podcast, I'm going to have to mention that. So when I formed this um, business, it was for this podcast and also to promote the book I'm trying to come out with. So guys, be prepared for that too. So Trevor, so what you got going on after this? After this? Yeah, after this, as you leave. What's going on? Probably go home and get dinner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got to cook some dinner, some turkey burgers. Yeah. <laughs> turkey uh, burgers. <laughs> yeah, I did have real quick, uh, um, I had watched an anime series recently because I got High Dive. Um, oh, like yeah, that's The 30-day right. trial. Right. So I was I had just watched through one called The Wasteful Lives of High School Girls. Right. I was like, ah, eh, we'll give it a try. I'd seen that it would come on and it – it looked like it could be funny, but I had so much going on. I was like, I'm not going to check that one out. 
it's actually quite amusing. The main the main character can be kind of annoying, especially in the first several episodes, but she gets toned down as it goes on. Right. But it's basically about the lives of a bunch of girls at an all-girl high school. And this one girl who's kind of an idiot, but she's kind of loud and boisterous and, you know, energetic and... Um, she decides to give everybody a nickname. So right, like right. the little short girl who looks like, and everybody's kind of a parody of something in the, you know, the anime stereotypes. Um, so she like, she gives the, the little girl who, you know, the girl who looks like she's in elementary school, she calls her Loli. Um, right. And then, you know, she gives her other friends name like Wota cause she loves BL and stuff like that. And then there's another girl who's like the emotionless one who's into science and really smart. So she calls her Robo. And then, you know, um, and um, uh, Maho, Majo or whatever, because she's very much into like the horror stuff and blood and zombies <laughs> oh, and, oh, you boy. know, the, the occult. So that, you know, Majo means witch, uh, that sort of thing. But it's it's pretty amusing. Um, and that especially any scene between the teacher right. and um, the girl who's like the Chinobio or whatever. The one who, you know, wears the patches and, like, is oh, pretend, yeah. thinks she's, like, you know, half dragon and lives in another fantasy world. And, you know, so she's always doing that. But she's funny because she always gets stuck up in a tree or somewhere up high. So they actually exist. What? Those kind of people actually exist. Well, it, it, that's why it's called middle school syndrome. It's oh. actually a thing in Japan. in Japan where, yeah, a lot of the it's, – it's when your imagination goes crazy and, you know, <laughs> you kind of have this – a hero idea from like manga and yeah. stuff like you know and cartoons and you know hollywood movies where you're like you know i am but it could you know it's kind of the isekai fantasy like you know oh in the, behind my eye i am hiding the most powerful you know force and you know it's just something fun that they do and usually they grow out of it by high school that's why it's called middle school syndrome right right right, right. um but it you know it's just a thing but um, but she's funny because she always keeps getting stuck up in the trees, and so sometimes you see she has to get help down. Other ones you just see in the background, and all of a sudden you'll see a crane going up to get. <laughs> but anytime like the teacher calls her into the office, like the interactions between them makes me laugh so hard. It's hilarious. Yo, speaking of high dive, man, um, I'll be telling you about this other one called "Please Tell Me." Uh, about the three girls, it's a, it's a gal. The, um, oh, Galco Chan, yeah. Dude, the other day, man, the, the topics, dude, is hilarious. Yeah, it's it's very funny. Yeah, Some about the tampons. Yeah, they do, like- <laughs> they do talk a lot about you know because there are three girls. They do talk a lot about 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 girl stuff. You know. Yeah, like, so, but it is it is pretty funny. The, the one, the blonde, I guess she ate so much hot shit and her butt was. <laughs> <laughs> she couldn't sit down. She had like ease on there. <laughs> okay yeah it's funny the stuff of the some of the stuff she talks to because she's like you know a gal is kind of one of those uh in in japan they usually have the dark skin and like the bleached hair and like the lot of makeup and you know just kind of yeah more slutty attire that sort of thing um that's it's the trend right so she kind of knows she's like that she has a huge bust (laughs) and you know but at the same time, she's kind of down to earth enough to be like, you know, oh, let's talk about it. Let's, you know. Yeah, that was so funny so about it. It's kind of like she's been stereotyped, but she doesn't necessarily fall into the stereotype. And yeah, it's it's you know, a couple short little episodes, but seven yeah, minutes, I, I think. yeah, I really found it funny. Yeah, I'll, I'll probably pick it up when it come out, man. I, I think it's very funny. Yeah, it's called "Please Tell Me Galco Chan." Right. So guys, um, check out <laughs> some of the anime Trevor <laughs> called out. 
Uh, Trevor, how can people can contact you or see your stuff on social media? Yeah, they can find me on Twitter at, at Toshiro no Ronin. And you've been very busy. I have been. Well, what with all the stuff going yes, on. Yeah. Been retweeting and you know commenting a little bit more than usual. Right. Yeah, I have not done that. Yeah, but I'm probably doing something in the near, near future on that. But, guys, you can check me out at JustBeingAmos.com and also check out my Instagram and Twitter account and Facebook account. How you guys can check me out on all my stuff and what I'm doing. So I hope you guys enjoy this podcast. Peace. Just be in the